With me this morning is Professor Nate Gross here at Kentucky Wesleyan College, theater professor. Nate, thanks so much for being here. I'm happy to be here. Good morning. Thank you. Appreciate your time. So uh, we'll get right into it. Okay. Nate, tell us about yourself, your background, and uh, why you came to Kentucky Wesleyan. Okay. Uh, So I'm from Michigan. Uh, I um, went to college mostly in California and Arizona. Um, Got my MFA at the University of Arizona. Uh, Also in California, prior to that, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, Originally thought uh, film, movie star career. Uh, And then when I was at the American Academy, just really fell in love with the craft of acting, especially, and all theater. Um, And so, and I, you know, I, I loved it before then, but that's where it really sort of separated for me, you know, reasons for doing this. Um, Is it to be famous or is it because you have an art and because you, you have a craft that you want to express that, that you love. Mm. Um, and that's what went out for me. And I, I feel like that's the, I want to say more noble reason mm. to do it. That yeah. what, what I would recommend, uh, I think you'll be happy doing it that way mm. Mm. where even famous people have, they're usually not famous their whole life, you know, whatever happened to, you know, uh, and I saw that, you know, I catered and I waited tables. I did the stereotypical thing in LA bartending, um, as a survival job, you know, while I was auditioning and, and doing theater. Um, and I would be working with people who were series regulars, mm. you know, and I could see the, the up and down of their career, which it's still wonderful. I mean, you know, that's, that's great. But, um, but that's when I decided the reasons that why I wanted to do this. Um, so Teaching was never a fallback plan for me. You know, I'm doing right now what I've always wanted to do. I act, I still act, I direct, I teach acting. That's what I want to do. If I, I've, I've said this many times, there's even other, I'm quoted in other, like articles, a few local small ones around here, um, but it's the absolute truth. If I won the lottery, I would do exactly what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe different amounts. Yeah, sure. But, um, you know, because there, there's there's drudgery, and I think in any work, and you know maybe you could lessen some of that if you win the lottery. But but I, I love what I do. So as far as how did I get how did I get here? Uh, California, uh, I taught high school a little while. I had a theater company there. Um, really decided that that college was where I wanted to teach. So my wife and I, who also teaches here, and she was involved in theater with me there, and and is here sometimes as well. Uh, we went to Georgia. We got an opportunity there. Um, we were at Andrew College there for four years, and it was great, but it was, you know, there, there was things that were more attractive about Kentucky Wesleyan and Owensboro. Uh, our impression of Owensboro, the town itself, the town itself was a big draw. I really like Owensboro. Uh, opportunities for our kids, opportunities for theater, the arts community here, and then the way that town tied into Kentucky Wesleyan because it just seemed good people here. It just seemed like a lot of untapped potential. And we've realized a lot of that potential. I've been here four and a half years. Um, but uh, there's still a lot of room for growth and improvement. I mean, I, I, I love how much we've done. I'm proud of what we've done. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that I'm done. Well, we've had a very active theater season, yes. especially coming out of COVID. Right. Tell us about that. Tell us about the, the series of productions that we had just this past semester. Okay. Uh, so, you know, COVID, as with most people, got us a little off track. We were, a lot of colleges were not able to produce anything. And, and you know, I respect that decision. Uh, we were able to produce a couple things. 
during the you know during the height of COVID. Uh, we did a production outside. Uh, we did a musical in the spring, being very careful with protocols and testing, and and uh, and got through it. So we were able to have live shows with a reduced audience. Um, but it would have been my goal for that year was to try to get up to four, five, six shows. Well, we're doing that this year. Um, so far this semester, we've had we've had three shows already, mm-hmm. and so we're almost halfway through the year, um, and we'll have three more in the spring. So our first show was a Doll's House Part Two, the the sequel, sort of, of the classic play by Ibsen, um, and uh, but it was written by a, a modern playwright. Wonderful play, four people in it, uh, and we did that as a col- collaboration with faculty and students. So I acted in that one, um, and a former student directed it. Mm. Um, we have lots of opportunities for students, and and we bring back former students. Um, so a former an alumnus uh, directed it, Jordan Key. Did a wonderful job, and we had two students in it, and and then myself and a faculty member from OCTC, uh, a theater professor there. So uh, that was our first production this year. I was I had a wonderful time. I think the audience really reacted to it. We built our crowds, so the word of mouth was good. And then we had another. I mean, it's been a good run because then um, Evil Dead, which uh, a student Turner Vaughn directed uh, as his senior project, and first time I've ever had a student direct a musical. Um, and he just knocked it out of the park. Mm. Uh, really a great reaction by the crowd. I mean, just everybody, it was hilarious. Um, it was, you know, edgy material, we'll call it, um, a, a comedy musical that, that made fun of horror movies. Um, so great. And then we just did an improv show. So those are our three shows. Mm-hmm. And then this spring we've got, um, we've already had auditions and cast Sweeney Todd. So that's our big musical this year. Mm-hmm. Had a big turnout um, for auditions and and just the talent, a lot of good problems to have. You know how do we how do we cast this show? Right. A lot of lot of opportunities for students to get engaged at yeah. every level of theatrical production. Mm-hmm. So from everything from stage design to audiovisual, right yep. to obviously acting and directing. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does it take to get a student sort of stage ready? In your opinion, it really depends on the student because some students come in having a lot of experience already. Um, and you know, some students, depending on their level of experience and depending on sometimes the shows we choose, we have an opportunity to do a large part right away their freshman year. Mm. You know, that's happened many times. Mm. Um, but we, you know, we have classes that get them ready too. So we've had students with hardly any experience or students that end up gravitating to a different area of theater, uh, you know, design, as you mentioned, or tech. So where, where do you have them start? What was the first sort of essential skill for someone who aspires to, you know, be on stage. Act. Yeah, be on yeah. stage. Um, I mean, acting one. Uh, we have four acting classes here, uh, and and we get them in acting one. We work on, and we, we hit them with other classes too, because you know the, we have classes that, that focus more on on voice and speech and and uh, movement, but all that's involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and acting one, uh, you know, that's where we have scripts and and so the approach we that I use, and it's based on. All the classes I've had, every teacher that I've had. Um, lately, the way I've, because I'm always working and modifying, uh, I've been more heavily influenced by the Meisner technique. Mm. Um, te- technique pioneered by Sanford Meisner. His technique has his name. And um, so it's, to put it sort of briefly, is you, you have things that are not improvised, like the script. And you have certain things in the script that can't be improvised. But a lot of the behavior is essentially completely improvised. Mm. Uh, on purpose. 
So you get to know the character, you, you memorize the script word perfectly. Mm. Not, you don't come close, you, you nail it. Mm -hmm. But then the behavior is really based off of what the other person is doing mm. uh, and what you want to do to them. Okay. So, All right. So, so beginning from that approach, that mm -hmm. and that's where you get sort of authenticity mm -hmm. in, yes. in a production, and that's really the goal. Mm -hmm. You're looking for that, and then you're layering on top of that the the, the sort of action, right? The, mm -hmm. the you know, as as you work through the production, that's it's uh it's interesting. I, I really I want to spend uh, a lot of time today talking to you about um, how you know listeners, people that are watching uh, at home. Um, can can incorporate sort of theater into their business practices, mm -hmm. everyday life. And we all you know, uh, come into situations where we're either called upon for a public speaking engagements um, or really in just sort of how you're interacting with other people and what sort of principles are involved um, that, that you can see some, some great corollaries between sort of the, the world of, of theater and just human interaction in general. Yeah, I think there are a, a, a ton of correlations. I mean, that's you said human interaction. That's what we do, mm -hmm. you know, the, and the on authenticity. That's what I value probably the most in, in the acting is the authenticity. Um, I, and this is from Sanford Meisner, but I believe it completely. Um, he, his definition of acting was telling the truth in imaginary circumstances, mm -hmm. which is not lying. You know, I, I don't subscribe to the, the thought that acting is lying. And some of that's semantics, different ways of saying the same thing, but um, everybody knows you're pretending if you're watching a play. Nobody mm -hmm. thinks that you're really Hamlet, right? right? So, mm -hmm. but within that circumstance, what if you were? What if you, what if you were Hamlet? What if you were in that situation? Mm -hmm. And then each moment is truthful. So that can apply to, to everything you do. Nobody likes to be lied to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, you can be inauthentic or you can be authentic. Mm -hmm. If you connect with someone, if you speak to them and mean what you say, you build trust. And there's a deserved, deserved advantage to that. Mm. You so, know, you've earned it. So does, so does acting begin with that, that the fundamental principle is trust with the audience. Would you describe it in that? I like that. Yeah. I don't think I've used those words. Okay. I think you start with the, with the other person you're with and then, mm -hmm. and then absolutely that, mm -hmm. that comes in. And that's where that authenticity is. Mm -hmm. and you're, it's a, the right. Because you're right. Actually, and I'm, I may steal that from you, um, uh, or borrow with permission. Um, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, they, you're not lying to the audience if you do that. And so you are establishing trust. Right, right, right. And then you're building upon that. And then that you really want your audience, you want the theater goers, you want people that are mm -hmm. enjoying the production to be really lost in the story. Yes. In the script. If that's the main goal. And they may not consciously, because it, it's so often not the case, you know, uh, because a, a very common approach to acting is, is, is to memorize your lines and memorize how you're going to say them. Mm. And then eventually your most honest moments might be your first few days of rehearsal. And as you get these patterns, you start to almost tune yourself out and certainly right. tune out the other person. And then you're lying to the audience. Right. Right. And whether the audience realizes that on a conscious level or not, they get it. Which I think is a, is a part of the process that I don't think a lot of people really understand, which is the, the kind of working out of the material. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's the script, mm -hmm. um, there's the kind of production design, and the actors and mm -hmm. the actors uh, spend a lot of time sort of interpreting the script mm -hmm. and, and bringing it to life in different and unique ways. And then that becomes the production, correct? Correct. So, and that might be really different from, in a sense, different from what was uh, originally intended or thought about when, when the production was sort of envisioned at its inception. Mm -hmm. And it's a different product at the end. Would you agree? 
I would say every production is going to be different. Yes, right. absolutely. And so, really, every night to some degree mm, is going to be different. Okay, yeah. just in terms of how people approach the material mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So there, there has to be this moment where, um, you know, with with the material itself, where it becomes sort of subconscious, mm-hmm. um, and that's that kind of authenticity. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're, to my mind, um, if you are sort of performing a rehearsed piece in the sense of you know you're just delivering memorized lines right you know there's going to be that that barrier between you yourself and the audience and mm-hmm. would you say the goal is is to really just get a, you know destroy that wall destroy right. that barrier right and by you know delivering things that sound as though they were not scripted right right and yeah. yes i mean and there you know the way i approach it is definitely the script where we honor that um the behavior is all improvised based off the other person. So it is real. Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you historically, this was one of the, you know, I think one of the uh, innovations, a lot of early American uh, ministers, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, brought forward and really, you know, helped them become, you know, really, they rode that to, to stardom. To, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the idea that you're, you're not, you know, sort of reading lines off a page, you're just sort of bulleting. Your, your right. points, right? And you're talking around them through bulleted points and yes. whatever your mind brings forward at the time to, to illustrate, to, to get to that point. And that authenticity was, in a lot of ways, um, just kind of a revel- revelation for people. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's one way of getting there. Mm. You know, you, you have bullets and then you, then it's extemporaneous, right? Mm. Uh, I believe your last, last guest was the Dr. Bolin, the communications yes, expert. Bolin, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm sure he would have a lot to say about that. The, but the, in, a, in, a, in a sense, it's the extemporaneous speech style with the bullet points. You're doing that, mm-hmm. but with exact memorization of the script. But the extemporaneous part, part of the improvised part is, is the behavior and the interaction. So would you suggest then for aspiring actors to get started in improv? As I think it's good, okay. but then a lot of improv has, you know, improv, the abbreviation of improvisation has kind of its own meaning, um, it just through usage and through what people expect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned, uh, earlier that we did an improv show. What we did is what people expect. We did what turns out to be comedy improv. Mm. So the Semf- the Meisner technique is, is improvised behavior can be through very serious scripts or not. Um, then you have comedy improv, which is still improvised, but the lines that then you don't, really nothing is written down. There is no script. You mm-hmm. have a format and mm-hmm. you certainly can rehearse it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's really good training. It's a, it's a different part of, it's not exactly, it's not the same thing. Right. But uh, well, it's my, certainly good training. To my mind, and you know, obviously I'm, I'm not of the theater, but um, to my mind, it, it sort of speaks to the quality of working without a net. Right. right? And yeah. you can't fall back on anything. And if something were to go wrong, right, during a live performance, yeah. what do you revert to? Right. What are your tendencies? And then how do you fall back? What, what is your training then? Yes. And if you have a strong, it would seem, if you have a strong improv background, yeah. It would be less of a challenge for you. Right. And, and, and I think you're right. I think you're onto something there because a lot of the principles are the same where it's what you do fall back on in, in what would be comedy improv, um, even if sometimes it's not. Sometimes the goal is stated to not be comedy, but it's often very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, is It's still about what you fall back on is the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how can I just take what you said and and justify it? Right. Um, so that's that's kind of and then, you know, each 
each game or exercise or or sometimes it's a sketch will have uh, rules and and have guidelines that you can use those as a fallback. So would you suggest? I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, my next question is about yeah. nerves and nervousness mm-hmm. as you, you get up there, and I think that's something everyone can relate to. Sure. If you're called upon to deliver a, a speech, and mm-hmm. you know, you have that sort of tense feeling and the butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Those emotions. Um, but if the goal of acting is that real that comfortability mm-hmm. with with yourself, with the material, and mm-hmm. then with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of it clarifies what you're there to do and, and the process uh, of it. And, and as you sort of walk students through, you know, uh, you know, performance one, two, three, and four, yeah. um, is the progression to get them more and more comfortable with, with being on stage and, you know, you're, you're, you're approaching it from, from many different angles mm-hmm. with, with the mm-hmm. idea of, of comfortability in mind. Is that? Sometimes um, they, they usually get over that, comfort level and nerves i mean the nerves can always be there and i think a certain level of nerves is is good it means Mm. you care Mm. i think um but as far as like a debilitating nerves i haven't seen that in students beyond the first class much okay so it just doesn't it hasn't come up much beyond that okay Uh, what we work on in the in the progression is trying to get deeper Mm. you know a more full character Mm. um you know i say it's I'm, it is real up there. The emotions, which I don't always like that word because emotions are results. Mm. You don't you don't go try to be happy or try mm. to be sad. Mm. You go for something or you experience what you're experiencing each moment and then that results in an emotion. But what you can do is rip some of those barriers and walls away, those walls and barriers that we need in real life. Mm-hmm. But on stage, we try to rip those away a little mm. bit. Mm. And then you can have an actual emotional experience you should whether it's you know the result is anger whether the result is you're crying um and as i tell you as i i'm still learning and getting better um the play i you know just acted in uh, in september dolls house part two every night in different spots i was choked up mm. i wasn't faking it mm. um it was much easier for me to do that or to to allow that to happen now than it was when i was an acting student mm. Mm, mm, because you've gotten used to, you habituated the process of kind of breaking down those walls. Yeah. Are you drawing on past experiences when you, you know, pull forth emotion, emotions? So I do that with my moment before sometimes. Uh, everybody kind of creates their own process, and I think they should create their own process. I have things, I give them tools and things that I can recommend. But for me, and what I often recommend is doing that in, before you come on stage. Mm. And then when you're, um, when you're on stage, if I draw from, I'm sure I draw from past experiences, but it's not conscious. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like mm-hmm. a relatability thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So, okay. So, so back to the sort of uh, practical tips for, yeah. for folks that, that, that have a speech coming up or mm-hmm. a performance, they're going to be on a stage. Right. On an elevated platform with, with hot lights in yeah. their face, right? Yeah. Um, so nerves are going to be part of that sure. process. And, and is, do you have a process for dealing with the that stage fright mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that it's, that it is part of what you're there to do, right? Yeah. That the nerves are a good thing. It's healthy, it's right. a good response. And to interpret that as maybe energy yes, and call forth that energy in your performance to be able to channel that. Right. Is I think that's all good advice. Right. Things I would say to someone, I mean, and I, there's a lot of overlap with giving a speech and, and um, you know, general public speaking. Mm-hmm. A lot of the skills that, that I would teach and you would learn as a theater major, you'll be able to use there. Absolutely. Um, but it's certainly, you know, enough of a different thing, but, um, 
but the nerves apply. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as I already said, I would say that nerves can be a good thing to a right. certain level. And then a lot of what people are nervous about is they don't know what to do. Mm. So you focus on what your job is. You do the next thing. What do you do first? Mm. You know, what do you want to communicate? Mm. Um, so hopefully you have something important to say. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to, your job partly is to believe that it's important. Right. So right. I've got this to say, that's my job is to get that across. Talk to your audience. Right. Who are you? Who are you communicating to directly? There should be a bond between you and your audience, right? Um, right. Immediately, hopefully, right? You reach out and connect to them with yeah. your words. Focus on the objective, mm -hmm. yes, and not necessarily the the the, the prose, the prosody, the, the the style in which you're communicating right. that, right? Yeah, and then and, and that's a separate thing to work on, right? And hopefully, you've worked on that enough beforehand, where clarity of speech, mm. uh, your enunciation, your you know. Usually, most speeches will have a mic, but that's something that most live plays, not musicals. Musicals usually need a mic, but most live plays, the actors don't need mics. Mm. Um, and a general audience member often doesn't realize that, but we work on projecting. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, so clarity of speech, you're, you're, you're speaking loud enough. Um, nervous habits, whether that, that often physicalize and like pacing back and forth or like a you know, some sort of nervous tick, I guess, or oh, filler words, yeah. right? I mean, filler for people words. that are delivering speeches, mm -hmm. you go back to like or um, or mm -hmm. right, and you're that you just say, right? <laughs> sure, we, I think we all do it. We fall back to it, and you know, I I didn't think of that first because that's never part of because we deal with scripts, so we don't deal with that as much. But I think that would be a huge issue, right? Well, with certainly speaking. those nervous ticks, and you know, yeah. what do I do with my hands? Yeah, right. In a performance. It's, yeah, that's now that's a common one. And what I try to do with that one is to take the focus off the hands. Mm. Because if you're just thinking about your hands, right. that's when it's really awkward. Mm -hmm. Think about what you're communicating, think about the other person, put all the focus on them, and then don't worry about your hands. Okay. You so know? so comfortability, right? Yeah. Understanding your you know, what you're there to do mm -hmm. and objective you know, your objectives mm -hmm. as you go through mm -hmm. and, and focusing on those, what needs to be delivered rather mm -hmm. than, you know, and then and how it's how it will be delivered is a is a byproduct mm -hmm. of that a byproduct of, of practice and your comfortability with the material. So, um, talk a little bit about the use of body language uh, in general. Um, you know, filling a stage mm -hmm. to make points, mm -hmm. elucidate it. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think because I think it's similar where if you're you want to free up your body so that you can use it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then my approach, at least, is that if you know what you want to communicate, that will, that will happen. So how much you body know? language is scripted, I guess, is a better way of in a, in a, I would say in theater, almost none. Hmm. Like, that's, it's not. I mean, they might, a playwright might put that in there um, randomly, and depends on the playwright, but most don't. Mm -hmm. you know, you've, and that, that's partly uh, the, I want to say, legality of it. I mean, in theater, which is a little different in film, because... In film, they option a script and they can make changes, usually. Theater, the playwright has a lot more control professionally. Mm -hmm. um, and you're obligated to use those words. Now, do people paraphrase and go off script? Certainly more at the amateur level. Mm. But I try to teach my students. I mean, Neil Simon was, was known for suing productions that he wrote with a lot of profanity. If you didn't use the profanity, he would sue you and shut you down. Mm. Mm. You know? okay. I mean, you're, you're, um, you're obligated to those words. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Well, and uh, and certainly that's. I think that probably gets actors in, in in hot water with their you know the producers, the directors. 
It can. Um, at the professional level, everybody knows it. Right. And that's kind of how you've arrived there is, you know, it, where you run into a lot of paraphrasing, it's very common at the more amateur level. You'll see a community theater, you'll see it at high schools, you know, and we try to, that's, I, mm -hmm. I, I insist on it as much as possible. So an under-reliance on, mm -hmm. on the, the, the word as, as it is written on the page is a sign of amateurism. In my opinion, yes. Would agree. Okay. And, and so I, there's a, I could have about, I could name about a hundred people that would back me up on that. Professionals. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about practice yeah. as part of the process. Sure. Um, and you know, how much practice that you need and, uh, you know, where, where you reach a point where you say, well, that's, that's good. That's, mm -hmm. this is, you know, meets your standard for, you know, um, production reaches production standards. Opening night. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, we have deadlines, yeah. right? Um, you advertise the show. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think if you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. Mm. So you work on getting better until you open. And then actually, once you open, you work on getting better until you close. Okay. It, it, when the play's over with, that's when you stop getting better. Um, and, then, and then you get better and better in your mind as the years go by. Well, one of the things that, <laughs> that fascinates, fascinates me, and it's, yeah. it's, it is a th theatrical performance, a stand-up comedy. Yeah, sure. And, yeah. The, and the process by which you know, uh, comedians go through mm -hmm. to, to refine their material mm -hmm. over time. So you start with, you know, I have 10 minutes of jokes that I've written. Let's see mm -hmm. how they play to the audience. Mm -hmm. You're going to jost. You're going to drop things out. You might add right. other, other material as it goes. And then by the end of a year or two years or three years, you have some, some things that are worked out and they're mm -hmm. fairly solid and we'll play to audiences across the country. Right. Is there an element of that in kind of theatrical? That's, I mean, it's, I think it's the exact same thing. Mm. I mean, the, the, the process of working out the actual lines is done by the playwright and often their first production of their new play, you know, they're there. Most that's the standard practice is the playwrights there for the first production and they work out what needs to be cut and what needs to be added. Um, and then the rest is worked out in production. Um, so yes, that, that is the process. And this is the same thing. I think this is the, the most challenging part of delivering a, a speech either extemporaneously or something that's even planned is that you really don't have a lot of time to, to practice that material. You know, my, my wife will listen to just about everything that I, that I have intended yeah. for an audience. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, God bless her for it. Uh, but you know, are there ways of, you know, even if you're just sort of speaking to the wall, uh, would you suggest that as a, yeah, know, I think, I think getting the, yeah, I think that's good. Um, you know, person's better than a wall, but if you, if yeah. wall's all you got, that's all you got. Yeah. And you imagine them. Um, and then just focus on what, knowing what you want to say. Mm -hmm. So you're not grasping for words too much. So you have it. Mm -hmm. Um, which again is where the nerves come in is if you don't know, if, if you're, if you're just, Totally flying blind. That that makes a lot of people nervous. Mm, yeah. uh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I think out. there's a great yeah. corollary there: uh, the nervousness that you might experience when you're unprepared. Right. Right. For just about everything in life. Right. Mm -hmm. The less prepared you are, the more nervous, the more apprehensive. And that's kind of good reason to be nervous. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I, I liken it to you know a student who has a you know a ten page term paper to write. Right. And you know is sitting in in front of a blank screen. And you know what are you going to write? Well, it's a it's a, it's a term paper. You have an assignment, a paragraph, mm -hmm. a prompt, something to to respond to. But if you are unprepared, if you haven't done your readings, if you haven't sort of done the work necessary for that, yeah, you're going to sit there because you have nothing really to say. Right. And there's every reason in the world to be nervous yep. about it because it's just really coming off the top of your head. It's not based on anything that's grounded. Right. Right. 
and that's you know as, as someone who you know sort of writes history for a living mm-hmm. um, you know you it's not made up um there you know it's interpreted but right you have, a, you, have a, you know body material that you're getting through and yet you're you've digested over you know days weeks months years mm-hmm. uh, and then you have a story to tell an interpretation of that but you are you should be well prepared by the time you know your finger hits the the keyboard right and it's ready to go you've done and, your work right yeah. right and uh and so you know that that process of preparation is, mm-hmm. I think, is is a, a, a really vital part of the you know theatrical performance, mm-hmm. and, and one of those great transferable skills that students can take from the theater and sort of you know and, and take everywhere. Right. Know, Absolutely. To... And, and some of those, uh, some of them are skills that can be transferred from speech to speech to speech to speech. Mm-hmm. You know, that don't have to be specific to the material you're giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking clearly, speaking loudly, mm-hmm. uh, the the physical you know, extra movements, uh, those things you can just get better at and connecting with people. I think you can get better at all of those things. So in a way, your preparation has been through all these skills that you've practiced. Well, and it's like, so, so back to nerves now, it's exposure mm. too to people and to the, the performance right. itself. Right, the more you what do it. What it is to give a performance. Yeah. And the more time between, you know, before, between performances, mm-hmm. I'm sure your skills, you know, dim a little bit and yeah. they're sharpened by just doing repetition. it more, right? Yep. More and more. Yeah. I want to uh, spend the remaining time that we have talking just a little bit about storytelling. Okay. That's another part of these, you know, uh, the process I think people can take that don't, don't have any aspirations for acting can yeah. take into their, their, their everyday life into, you know, upcoming performances, sure. speeches or, you know, periods where they have to deliver some content to, to an audience or interact with a way that's, you know, for a defined purpose. So, so your approach to storytelling someone who's written plays and who's I've written some my wife is mm-hmm. a playwright mm-hmm. you know so she's written a lot more um, but my approach mm-hmm. is that uh, I mean I tell stories a lot as an actor even more as a director and I, th- I but I've got the story I just think how can I communicate this story really really well mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of my number one question as a director is how can I make this clear how can the audience get it um, but as far as writing a story I, I, I don't think I'm the expert on that. Um, it's communicating someone else's story where I'm sure. more the expert. I mean, and I've got my points in class when I teach or, you know, as a character uh, where I want to get those points across and I've got mm-hmm. that need to tell it. I, I can, I give my wife a lot of feedback um, with what she writes and I have written some. Um, you so know, I think, I, I, let me give you this one. This is, this is maybe one tip I can give on that. Um, something I see with inexperienced writers and, and younger writers Tons of talent often, but they don't want to rewrite. They don't want to edit. They don't want to craft. They don't want to do 20 drafts. The best plays I've seen have, I'm not exaggerating when I say 20, 30 drafts. Sure. Sure. Playwright is spelled W-R-I-G-H-T because it's a craft. Right. Well, and that, that, another great transferable skill. I mean, if you're going to do any writing, if you're going to engage in the, in the writing process, you have to understand, you have to let go. You have to have the courage of letting go Mm -hmm. of really well-crafted sentences and paragraphs and Mm -hmm. and chapters. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you've written a book and worked with an editor, you know what it's like. And it's like giving up a child. Right. Because you spent a lot of time with that material. And then someone says, well, you know what really doesn't make sense or it doesn't align perfectly. It has to go. Yes. There's a quote attributed to Oscar Wilde, famous playwright that said, uh, Kill your darlings. Right. You know, same yeah. thing. And it's hard. Yeah. Too, but yeah. Because there's good stuff you're cutting. Sure. Sure. And even even cutting words and phrases from from individual sentences. Yeah. I mean, those those sentences become near and dear to you the more right. time that you spend with yeah. them. Yeah. Another quote from Oscar Wilde. I guess he thought a lot about this. 
is uh, I spent all morning putting in a comma and all afternoon taking it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, but it's yeah. a healthy part of the writing yeah. process. Mm-hmm. And, and what you don't realize when you're in that the sort of writing and editing stage, and everyone, I think, approaches writing differently. Mm-hmm. And I think there are people that sort of write off the top of their head and can generate a lot of content and then are really good about culling that content. Uh-huh. Um, and then people like myself who, who write and edit at the same time and then have to go through again and again and again and again. Sure. I think, um, that, I think most people do. Right. A lot of people aren't willing to do it. Sure. You, yeah. you know, then there's this, everyone has a balance between, you know, what is, what is good enough for the moment mm-hmm. and what they're aiming towards and right. being able to let go of a thought or idea as, yeah. they, as they move from one idea to the next. So what do you recognize in good storytelling? I'd say communication. Mm-hmm. Um, communication, I need, I need to tell a story. Mm-hmm. But when you say good storytelling, you mean... The, Something is well received. The speaking you know, of it, or the or the crafting of it. Well, you know, in, in terms of receiving the story, what do you recognize as a good story? Oh, okay, so sort of as an audience member, sure. like what? Right. Something um, that you would gravitate towards. So the production that you've mm-hmm. chosen mm-hmm. Um, over the over your career yeah. and over your you know recent past with with Kentucky Wesleyan yeah. College, um, they're they're you choose them for specific mm-hmm. qualities and characteristics. I'm sure. Yeah, so, and they, that's a good question because I haven't really thought of it. In that way before. And they speak to certain qualities that yeah. you, 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 re, you uh, sort of resemble good storytelling in right. your judgment. So what are those qualities? If it's good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of like what's your favorite song or, sure. you know, maybe what's your favorite child. I don't know. Um, it's, I, was, I was talking about this to my, because in my intro class, we've been talking about musical theater. And uh, musical theater isn't one style of music. And so I kind of, because I've, in the past, I've kind of adjusted the way I teach this because I have the people that are really into musical theater and then some students who are not. And sometimes I've noticed in the past, I lose half the class, right? Mm-hmm. So how can I avoid that this time? And so I started with a discussion about genres of music and what's your favorite genre, what, what don't you like? And my conclusion, and I guess I'm trying to influence them to agree with me, is uh, that you can have good music in any genre, you know? Um, so that's what I, I think that's what I look for in a play. Is it good? Does it, does it grab me? Cause it's not, they all, they don't all grab me the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen plays with a play called Copenhagen. That's about, um, the development of the nu- of nuclear, I want to say nuclear bomb, nuclear or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was the bomb. Mm-hmm. Certainly that was the, the result. Right. Um, and it was three people talking about really complex stuff that I understood when I saw it. I couldn't repeat any of it now. Mm-hmm. And it was really complex. Uh, uh, you know, three people talking about nuclear fission or whatever the heck they were talking about for a couple of hours sounds really, really boring. But it was good. Mm-hmm. So I think so many, there's something to, something to be said for structure. There's all these rules. But then you can break those rules and have a great play or a great story. Right. Um, so I just think, I think good. Well, uh, Professor Gross. Uh, I, listen, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thanks so yeah. much for your time. I have something else I really wanted to get in. Oh, You're ahead, seeing please. that in my body language. Yeah. Um, so this might get cut and post. But um, just because you were asking me earlier about applying what I do, theater, to, to business. Yeah. And, and we definitely talked about the, the communication aspect of it, the public speaking mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of it. But there's another aspect that I don't think people see as much that I really see um, is all the other skills that we do in theater that directly apply to business, apply to business, but they're not speaking. They're, they're, I mean, that, that's part of it. 
but it's the group work. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. working in groups mm-hmm. with a deadline um, and following a, har- following a hierarchy. Like everybody contributes their idea, but you have the director. Um, so I really noticed the practical implementation of this. I did California Arts Project when I worked there. A lot of teachers of different arts got together and we had group work, right? And the theater people were together and the visual artists and the, the, the writers and you had all these different groups. And a lot of the other groups were used to working alone but we were used to working together. Mm. And the way we worked together in that group um, on multiple occasions, um, to me really spoke to this is what we do. We collaborate. Mm. And what do businesses want? They want people who can show up on time. We do that. People who can deliver a deadline. People who can speak well. People who can put their creativity in but are okay when it's somebody else's creativity and make somebody else's creativity work. We do all that. I'm biased, but I think everybody should take a theater class um, because it teaches you those things. It teaches you what employers want, and it teaches you to express your creativity. And it also has every art in it because there's not a single art that is not in theater. Well, and boy, uh, you know the boy, just the 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 galaxy of you know sort of thoughts and opinions and ideas and and personality um, traits that are brought to bear and. Um, responded to in any sort of group setting, group dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's a that's a really important reminder of the importance of group work and and you know the the need to to prepare for it. Um, but the human quality of group work is you know something that's really missing in in I think just pure business training where you mm-hmm. just you know you have an objective. Okay, who's going to fill what role? Right. You're going to Swiss Army knife your way through this project, and and you take that human element mm-hmm. out of it and. So I, I wonder in in your uh, you know your use of group work in the classroom towards mm-hmm. a, a definite end. So those personality um, qualities that you see in people um, are does does uh, does theater smooth those out? Does it give? Oh, we habits? we have drama off the stage too. Okay, you know a lot, <laughs> but um, but you know each production each play is, is group work. Yeah, it's just it's it's larger often. Right. You know you have four person plays like what we did in September. But you have Sweeney Todd that we've just recently cast and then we're doing this spring um, has got over 30 people in it mm-hmm. just on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all the people back, you know, behind the scenes and designing and, and things. So well, you see introverts future. become extroverts over the process of working with others. That's a good, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if it's changing who they are. I think it's giving more confidence to what they already had. Mm. And I think sometimes introverts can make wonderful actors some would argue and i'm not sure where i fall on this i'm not convinced either way i think it depends but that introverts can make better actors you know you've got your imagination you're still connecting with people i've also heard the definition of introvert being you know where you get your energy where you where you where you recover so you can be really like you know my wife uh she can be really seemingly extroverted but she needs her alone time to to refuel right so right well that's that's an interesting thought um you know, how much the acting, the, the process changes someone yeah. internally and how, how much of it allows you to sort of express what's internal outward. And, um, I think it gives people confidence. Well, and that's, that might be the, the, you know, the great lesson of acting, mm-hmm. right? If you have someone who sort of struggles with confidence mm-hmm. or, you know, would like to gain more confidence, certainly being on a stage with a script with memorized lines yeah. and the need to deliver that and to, you know, pull forth qualities within themselves that they don't already have. 
Um, you know, confidence is certainly part of that process. They need a certain amount going in. And, you know, on the other side of it, you're going to gain, you're going to build confidence mm-hmm. going out, Absolutely. which is a really compelling um, aspect of, of acting. But, um, and also one of those great transferable skills, right? Because you, if you have, if you're comfortable with material, mm-hmm. um, that will sort of, you know, and can pull forth that confidence in your, you know, in your performance, um, that, that represents and presents rather as, as confidence in what you're trying to do and what you're trying to communicate. I agree. Professor Gross, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Great conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.